The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast coming at you on a Tuesday evening. Brandon Marcus with the man himself, Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film. After the Los Angeles Clippers knock off the Toronto slash Tampa Raptors by a score of 115 to 96. And Justin, I came into this hoping and praying that the Clippers would win easily. And they did just that because I did not want to come on this podcast and have to talk to you about how they should have won this game. And it's just another one of those games they let slip away. I didn't want that. And we didn't get that. It was a very comfortable 115-96 win. I'm sure you're happy about it because I know I am. Well, yeah. I mean, this is a game where, like, um, there's just no way they would have lost this game. I mean, you can't never say never. I mean, I remember the game against the Magic, similar scenario. We actually lost that one. But yeah. with Paul George and Kawhi playing, um, this was a game that, like, should have been in a bag. And... um they they did just enough. They didn't even this wasn't close to like their A game, but they did just enough to win comfortably. And, you know, we got out of there um healthy, which is always the most important thing this late in the season. And we got some reps. I mean, like these games, man, we're we're with the playoffs are like next weekend, you know? So it's um it it is it's go time and um it's it's good to see us just be on the floor healthy for the most part and get a comfortable win where we got some good reps. It's wild because three more games left in the regular season. I mean, it really feels like you and I were just talking during the Nuggets series in the playoffs. And all of a sudden now we have three games left in this regular season. That's 72 games. It's Charlotte on Thursday, Houston on Friday, and then Oklahoma city on Sunday. And then we've got the postseason. It's crazy that it's coming this quickly. And we have some stuff to talk about because Ty Lu had one of his most informative pre-game press conferences in which he, A, discussed that Pat Beverly would be re-entering the starting lineup. So we saw Pat Bev today in the starting lineup. He played 21 minutes. He mentioned that Ibaka may be back during this road trip. And he talked about Zoo staying as the starting center even when Ibaka is back. Let's start with that. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to break into this game. I mean, or to break down when it comes to this Clippers Toronto game. I don't think there's really much to talk about. Um, we'll talk about. Obviously. You don't want to talk about DeAndre Bimbry? Yeah, man. And Chris Boucher? Yeah, man. <laughs> Boucher's a baller, by the way. Um, yes. But yeah, yeah. there's there's no need to real break down the X's and O's of this game. We'll talk about obviously the guys as they come up. Um, but I, I want to talk about first with Zoo. One of the more obvious decisions to keep him in the starting lineup, I mean, Ibaka's just not going to get enough reps in the first place to get his minutes up to where he can be a starter. And we saw Pat Bev come off the bench for several games before finally he was re-entered in the starting lineup. And we've seen what Zoo can do. I mean, today he had 18 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, a block shot. He was a plus 23 in a game that they won by 19. The dude has just been sensational. It's a no-brainer decision. And I think it's really going to help them out in the playoffs, Justin, because you have the better defensive center now in your starting lineup. And more importantly, the confidence that Zoo now has being the center for as long as he has been during this stretch, 
I think will be monumental come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, like Zeus starting was a no brainer. Um, it it reached a point of no return when you realize that the Clippers have a one hundred nine point seven defensive rating with Zoo on the floor, and the eye test supports that obviously. Um, and you know that would be top five in the entire NBA for defensive defensive rating, right? And the Clippers at the beginning of the season, towards the beginning of the season, were like twenty fifth, twentieth in defensive rating. And as of seven nineteen p.m. on um, today, they are seventh in the NBA in defensive rating. And by no by no coincidence that their defensive surge has no pun intended, happened while Serge was nursing the back injury. So I, I just think that um, it was a no-brainer. Um, the impact that Zoo has had on the team defensively and his vertical his vertical spacing as a lob threat was just too much to overcome. And even if Serge, like, you can make the argument that even if Serge stayed healthy, that Zoo should have been the starting center. I mean, he's honestly a flat-out better better player um at this stage of his career that doesn't mean that surge isn't valuable in fact he's incredibly valuable to what we want to do um if we're gonna stick with um like playing like fives for the majority of the time in the playoffs as far as like playing centers is concerned but i just think that um if you just look at the impact that zoo has had on the defensive side of the ball and how good the Clippers are when he's on the floor, especially on that side of the ball. It's a, it's a no brainer. It's a no brainer. And I don't think Serge is shooting, which is probably the only thing that he's better at um, is so good that it overrides the impact that zoo has on the floor. So um, um, we kind of lucked into starting zoo because of surge injury, but that's something that has been, that's one of the things that has stabilized our defense and it's going to pay big dividends come playoff time. Zoo starting is something that Clippers fans have been clamoring for, for a long time. I mean, ever since last year when Trez kept getting big minutes, we went into this off season thinking that finally you get rid of Trez and Zoo will be the starter. And Ibaka started, and finally, Zoo got the nod, and it was because of injury. But you, you're right. It very well, Zoo could have easily surpassed him at some point. But I think there's a part of Ty Lue that is okay that this happened the way it did, because he didn't have to upset a veteran by telling him, hey, you're going to come off the bench because we need to start this guy because we're better defensively with him. Um, I'm sure Ibaka would have been fine with it eventually. But nonetheless, I mean, it happens. You see what the sample size is with Zoo as your starting center. And and like we've said, it really is a no-brainer. Yeah. And, and you, can yeah. make, you can make the case also, Justin, that having Surge in the second unit is pretty valuable because you, you want to know where the scoring is going to come from and the shooting is going to come from in the second unit. And Surge is going to do a good job of spraying the floor. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, Rondo is going to be playing big minutes off the bench in that second unit. And and when Rondo is on the floor, you want as much shooting as possible. And so you, you definitely you definitely can you definitely like that pairing. And um, I don't have any sourcing on this. Just random randomly thinking about this. I do think that the Clippers promised Zoo, I mean, promised Serge a starting spot when they recruited him in free agency, yeah. which is one of the reasons why he got here. And I, I and also to be fair, um, the the original starting lineup with Serge Ibaka this year has been tremendous. 
right? Like, it's not like it was bad. In fact, it was working pretty well. The original lineup of, like, Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Nicholas Batum, and Serge Ibaka, the um, opening night starting lineup, I think they have, like, a net rating of, like, 19 or, like, 20. It's something ridiculous. And, like, a solid sample of like 200 or so minutes, but nevertheless, zoo is the better defender. Um, he's the better play play finisher. And he's someone that, um, elevates our defense to a level that it needs to be in order to seriously contend for a title, which is ultimately the, to me, the reason why he has to start without him. I don't know if we're just, if we're good enough on that side of the ball to seriously consider ourselves as title contenders. And with Zoop starting and playing starters minutes, um, I think we are right. Like we're the seventh best defense in the league right now. And that's like, given where we started, you can't speak. You can't say enough about how great zoo has been in that regard. Yeah, it's interesting because Batum was pretty good defensively to start. So so the question is, was it really all just the Ibaka versus Zoo switch that caused the defense to be so much better? Pretty much. Like like I don't I don't want to um I don't want to like overrate Zoo, but like he has a whole lot to do with that because at the end of the day, your defense is predicated on your rim protection and your anchor. Um, no, no player on the floor is more important towards team defense than your rim protector and your defense. And um, yeah, that's zoo. That's zoo. And that's what he's been for us. And that a hundred percent should be attributed mostly to him. Not, 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 um, not solely to him because um, I do think that, on on aggregate we've been playing a bit harder on that end of the floor like um as opposed to how we were starting the season um and we also we also were pretty unlucky on that side of the floor too um towards the beginning of the season teams were making a ton of long twos against us which is this is the desired outcome for us but if they're making them they're making them and teams have kind of like settled into more of an average range in that regard. So that plus zoo is the primary reason for our defensive surge. And um, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And zoo has a lot to do with where we're at defensively. Yeah. I'm curious to see what Ibaka is going to look like when he comes back, because we saw two very different surge Ibaka's during the season. We saw one to start the season where he was brilliant, he was spreading the floor, he looked really good. And then we saw Serge Ibaka towards the second half of the season. That just wasn't as efficient. I mean, you look at the numbers, pre-All-Star break, he was averaging 11 points per game. And post-All-Star break, break, he was averaging 8 points per game. And his shooting was worse. He was a 35.5% three-point shooter pre-All-Star break, 25% post-All-Star break. So you really wonder which guy you're getting. And I do feel like he's going to be an important part to what the Clippers do in the postseason. And the question is, can he get right in time? Because like you said, with Rondo on the floor, you need as many shooters as possible. And Ibaka has been okay from three, but he has gotten worse as the season's gone on. In December, he was at 44%. January 37.5, February 31.8. This is all from three, by the way. March 25. And so he's gotten worse as the season has gone on. I'm curious, what's your level of concern 
about him coming back this late because it does worry me that he's probably only going to get, my guess is, one or two games in before the playoffs. And then you're trying to work him in during a playoff series. It's a tough thing to do. It's beyond a tough thing, and it's it's not ideal, and it is kind of scary. It is kind of scary, but um, I guess it's kind of cliche. But like the one thing you gotta um, you have to rely on is the fact that he has that championship pedigree. Um, he's been in deep playoff series. Um, he's been he's had several deep playoff runs. Um, he's won a championship. Uh, the idea or the hope is that that sort of a pedigree can kind of shorten the quote-unquote learning curve, if you will, for him jumping back into um, NBA basketball this late. But no doubt is it very concerning. And him having virtually no runway before the playoffs is like hugely concerning. I mean, it's, it's, it's it's pretty jarring and it's pretty scary whenever one of your top eight guys misses like 30 straight games or whatever it's been and then has to basically jump right into an NBA playoff series and play real minutes where every minute matters. So it's not ideal, but that's the situation right now. And um, I'm an irrational fan of surge. I'll admit that. And I do believe that he'll be fine, but it's definitely not ideal at all. And you look at the numbers and they obviously they got worse And you wonder, how many minutes is he going to play? And you would think Zoo would play about 30 to 32 in the playoffs, which would mean that there's about 18 minutes for Ibaka. And you hope that he's going to do okay in those minutes. Um, I think fitness-wise, 18 minutes is a perfect spot. I mean, in terms of ramping him up, luckily, you're not going to have him play that many minutes. So you're okay in that regard. And you do have Boogie Cousins. If Zoo is to get in foul trouble, you do have that Cousins four, five, six, seven, eight minutes that you could use um, to try and bridge the the gap in case Ibaka can't play enough minutes to fill the void if Zoo does get in I, foul, foul trouble. Go ahead. I hope not. I, I hope not. Yeah. I, I, and and I, I that that's pretty unpopular. But um, I'd rather Nico or Marcus Morris be that third center if we get to that point. Um, I, I just, I'm, I'm just really scared of DeMarcus Cousins defense when it matters against the playoffs. And I, kind of, I kind of re- think back to when we played Golden State and, um, before he got injured, um, the Clippers were relentlessly targeting him with great success. And I think it'd be even worse now. And so I actually think at some point we'll see DeMarcus Cousins on the floor in the playoffs, but it's going to be it's going to be a huge gamble. And um, it's going to be it'll it'll be like one of the more scary times for me um, if and when that moment does occur. I'd much rather see like Nico Batum or like Marcus Morris be that third center. But um, that's why DeMarcus Cousins in part is here. Yeah. And he will be okay when it comes to centers that aren't very good. I'm looking at you, Montrez Harrell, um, in, in terms of being able to be okay defensively. Um, Cantor's not great defensively, um, and he's fine offensively. He just gets a bunch of rebounds. So maybe in a Portland series, you could see Cousins play a little bit. But I do agree. He, mm-hmm. I mean, Boogie's slow. He, he's really slow. It's- um, yeah, he's, he's 
a liability at times, but then he can shoot the three, so he stretches the floor, and he works well with Rondo. He's got glimp- glimpses that make you like look back and say, oh, man, this guy used to be really good. But, uh, but I do tend to agree with you. Um, I, I don't want to see him that often in the playoffs. Yeah, and and it's not it's more so the fact that like if you're playing Portland in a series, CJ McCullum and Damian Lillard are yeah. gonna be on the floor for all forty eight minutes. Yeah. Right. At least one of them are gonna be on the floor all forty eight minutes. And the moment they see Demarcus Cousins, they're just gonna screen roll with Demarcus Cousins man to death and probably be very successful at it. And you can diddle that for if we play the Mavericks or if we play the Lakers in the first round. The moment any team sees DeMarcus Cousins, um they are going to pick and roll him to death and um it's going to it's going to be it's going to be tough. It'll it'll be tough. All right, before we get to our next t- subject, I got to talk about our friends over at MyBookie. Ever since I started this podcast, people always asking for betting tips. They're also asking where I'm betting, and I tell them MyBookie Their rep is rock solid. They've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. The only place I trust to handle my NBA-related bets, whether it's NBA Finals future bets, taking the Los Angeles Clippers, whether it's college basketball future bets, college football, in-game lines, they've got it all for all different sports. Everything from Premier League to tennis to golf to the major sports. You know me. I don't give out my stamp of approval easily. To earn it, you've got the best at what you do. My bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up, enter the promo code HOOPBALL, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. That's the code HOOPBALL. Get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Head over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. And speaking of betting, one thing that you can always bet on is the Clippers needing Pat Bev to be Pat Bev for them to succeed. The Clippers found a way, though, to do really well with him sidelined for the first time, really, since he has been a Clipper, Justin. And we saw how the Clippers were able to win without Patrick Beverly, a heavy dose of Reggie Jackson. He re-enters the starting lineup today, 21 minutes, 0 for 4 from the field, all four of those attempts from deep. He had six rebounds, so you saw the value of Pat Bev on the glass This was a move that I think we all anticipated was going to happen. I don't think that we thought Reggie Jackson would be the starting point guard in the playoffs. Pat Bev, how important is he to the starting lineup for the Clippers? Well, first, I'd like to commend you on that transition into the Clippers and Patrick Beverly. That was well done. Thank you. That was very good. Thank you. Very good. Um, Yeah, he's he's huge. He's huge, too. Well, let me let me rephrase. The best version of Patrick Beverly is such an essential trait to um, what the Clippers need, mm-hmm. because while he's probably not as important as Zoo um, defensively, he is important and he defends multiple positions and he's by far the best um, point of attack defender that we have. Um, and and the best version of Patrick Beverly is hitting almost 40% of his threes, he's rebounding, he's defending. So I think this was the right time to get him back into the starting lineup. And hopefully we get these next three games, um, get him revved up. Because since he's been back, the shot hasn't really been there. Um, but this was his first game that he actually started. So 
I wasn't too concerned with what I saw tonight. Just just getting him out there as a starter was just good. And that 21 minutes is almost in the sweet spot. I think he'll be around like 25 come playoff time. I think that's all he actually can handle unless it's until his body like breaks down in some way. But yeah, he's the best version of him is like the third or fourth best player on the team. I think he's that important. And seeing him healthy and starting is a great sign. And I'm hopeful that within the next three games, we can get some Patrick Beverly mojo back going for us. Um, even if he didn't hit a shot tonight, um, I thought just him starting was a step in the right direction because I kind of tweeted it out that, you know, we have four games left going into tonight. Like there's no messing around here. We got to start getting revved up for the playoffs. And um, Patrick Beverly is going to be a big part of what we do in the playoffs. So Throwing him in a deep end and starting him and throwing caution to the wind a little bit, I think is the right play. And the next three games, hopefully, will prove that to be so. And all these guys have played with each other. So it's not like Pat Bev is trying to learn an entire uh, group that he's out there with, with the starters. I mean, he's played with PG, Zoo, Morris, and Kawhi before. The one thing that Ty Lue did point out in his press conference before the game was that he didn't like the Pat Bev Rondo minutes. And so you wonder what that means for the Clippers come playoff time because Rondo's going to play. Um, he has clearly shown that he is not the guy that there were people, including yourself and including myself at some point, that thought, all right, you look at this guy and the numbers he's putting up in Atlanta, this guy's not very good. But he has been better than advertised, um, which I think you would agree with. And so the question is, how do you manage those minutes between the two guys when Ty Lue already has said that he doesn't like seeing those guys on the floor together? Um, I think I think I think we'll be fine. Um, I'm, I'm looking now and um, Rajon Rondo um, in the playoffs last year, um, he. Uh, I'm I'm looking it up, but I I don't think he played like crazy minutes. Um, yeah, he's not going to play and, big minutes. I would expect Rondo to play between 15 to 20 minutes a game, and then Bev to play about 25 minutes. So I, I think between those two, it, it makes sense that you add those up. I mean, you go 22 minutes for Rondo, and you go 26 minutes for Bev, and that's your 48 minutes um, at the point guard position. But then you wonder what does that mean for Reggie Jackson? So I guess before oh, I, I think Reggie Jackson is going to catch. Quite a few, not a quite a few, but I think there's a very likely chance that we see Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann, um, Terrence Mann get DMPs um, when it comes to uh, the playoffs. Like, I I just don't think that, and with all due respect to Reggie, because he's had a fantastic season as a veterans minimum guy, um, he's completely outplayed his contract, but I don't think that he figures to be in our top eight. And I think that ninth man is probably a revolving door of like Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Reggie Jackson, depending on what the game calls for. Um, I, I just don't think that Reggie Jackson is a must play in the way that like Rondo or Patrick Beverly is. I got to ask you something because when Rondo was acquired by the Clippers, there was a lot of noise about people that were being ups- that were upset that Rondo was going to come in and take Terrence Mann's minutes. Do you think Rondo is deser- is now deserving of getting that role and bumping Mann 
to that ninth test slash tenth position. Um, even after a game today where he showed that, I mean, man was seven of seven from the field with 20 points. Clearly he's got the abilities, but do you think that Rondo has now earned that role? Because I really do think that despite how good man was and despite how good Reggie Jackson has been this season, I just think for the playoffs, you need a guy like Rondo. Yeah. I mean, Terrence, man, um, oh, I, it's, it's tough, right? Because he is so dynamic in ways that no one else on the team is. But with that being said, um, the offensive he's he's in his second year right and also to be fair he's only in year two of his career he just isn't somebody that i guess has to has to be on the floor at the expense of rajan rondo um i was talking with um i was talking with lucas on twitter about this a few minutes ago and when you break down the minutes um your starters and really your top eight they're gonna play so many minutes and the Clippers starters are going to play heavy minutes. And then you have Nicholas Batum who's got to play. Yeah. Then you have Serge Ibaka who has to play and you have Rajon Rondo who has to play. Um, it, it just doesn't leave a lot of minutes available for um, a consistent rotation guy in, in Terrence Mann. And to be quite fair, he's had a fantastic second season, one that shows real potential. Um, but it, he doesn't, he doesn't um he doesn't require he's not a must play either for me and um what you just said about Rajon Rondo is true um he's blown he's blown just about everyone's expectations as far as like what he's able what he's been able to do for the Clippers and um for that reason he's going to be playing big spot minutes along with Patrick Beverly so I just don't I don't see the path for Terrence or Reggie to play like consistent minutes in the playoffs, but I'm okay with that. Let me ask you this then. Let, let me phrase it a different way. What's changed from the the noise and there are people on Twitter, and I'm not going to go and name them, but there are people on Twitter that are saying, oh man, Terrence Mann, I mean, R- Rondo should get zero minutes compared to Terrence Mann. What's changed between the acquisite time that he was acquired and where we're at now? Um... <sighs> It's, it's honestly, it's been Terrence, I mean, excuse me, honestly, it's been Rajon Rondo's play. Um, essentially he's been as advertised and then some, right. And if Rajon Rondo is going to be quote unquote playoff Rondo, um, then that guy is good enough to definitely play over Terrence man. Right. Like, like if we were getting the Atlanta Hawks version of Rajon Rondo, um, playing him over Terrence would be a massive mistake. Got it. But the clip, but, but the Clippers 100%, at least thus far are getting like playoff Rajon Rondo, even in the regular season right now and national TV Rondo. And, and that guy is definitely better than Terrence man. And I think had we seen that guy in Atlanta, um, we'd be more likely to, um, be like okay this makes sense and so honestly Rajon Rondo has came come to the LA Clippers and really been like the best version that you could ask for of himself and he's also provided things that the Clippers didn't have as far as like playmaking and passing and he's he's playing with pace and he's finishing at the rim and all of those things together. And you combine that with the championship experience, that guy has to play. 
that guy is a fixture in your playoff rotation. And I think there was some questions about whether or not that guy was still there, given the scattered, the scattered um, resume with the Lakers and then the really bad stint with the Hawks. Right. Like if you think about it, the only thing we had to go off of as far as recent playoff Rondo was the bubble. And obviously we're not going back to a bubble. And so I think it was fair to wonder, would we get playoff Rondo? And um, it's been a resounding yes so far. And that guy is going to play over Terrence Mann in the playoffs 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I think you're right. And I was I mean, I was curious from your point of view, because you've been you've been able to see all of it and you know, these guys um, even better, obviously than I do just, just the basketball X's and O's and, and what they bring. I mean, there's certain things that I can see, but just you as someone that has played the game um, and knows it really well, I was curious to get your point of view in terms of what Rondo has done. And it's interesting because we know Rondo thrives on national TV. It's it's for some reason, it's always been a thing (laughs) where he always does well on national TV. And he's a guy that just comes through in the playoffs and there were a lot of people that were hating on Rondo and his acquisition. Even you and I were talking on this podcast. Yeah, I wasn't it, a fan. Yeah, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like, what? What's? What is it? What's he going to bring? You have PG and Kawhi, and they're the ones that show the ball in their hands. But I think we've kind of seen what he can bring. And I was talking to Harrison Fagan um, of Silver Screen and Roll on the podcast on, um, I believe it was on Friday, and we were talking, and he said that the one thing that he does. He really brings another coach to the floor. And in order to have, I mean, you obviously have Ty Lue on the bench, but to have a guy on the floor that can bring that mentality is really important. So I'm curious to see um, what the minutes look like with Pat Bev healthy. I, I hope we get the Pat Bev that we know and love and not the one that's going to go out there and go 0 for 5 and commit three fouls um, and be over aggressive. And But the one but, thing, oh, it, go ahead. I didn't want to interject. But that is the blessing in Reggie Jackson. That's season, what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. That the one which thing is, is that like he's played well enough that if we have to play Reggie in a spot in the playoffs, yes. nobody's thinking like, ah, damn, yes. Reggie Jackson. We're thinking, oh, we're good. Yes. We're good. He's got four over 40 reps as an NBA starter, and he's been one of the best shooters in basketball. And his lineup data with with Patrick, his lineup data with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is literally through the roof. Like the offense breaks basketball when those three have been on the floor this year. So it's not like um, it's such a great, he's such a great third guard to have in that situation. Honestly, that's exactly what I was going to say. When you, when you started to cut me off rudely, I was going to bring up the great point. I was going to say, even (laughs) if Pat Bev gets in foul trouble, at least, you know, you have Reggie Jackson who's been in this spot and they trust him to thrive in this role. So that's the one thing that with all these injuries the Clippers have had this year, whether it's Ibaka going down and Zoo becoming a starter, whether it's Bev going down and Reggie Jackson becoming a starter, whether it's Morris who wasn't ready at the start of the season and Batum being the starter, you have guys that can fit in seamlessly if there is any type of foul trouble or injury, God forbid. So that's one thing about this Clippers team. Even Terrence Mann, you know that he's ready to perform when called upon. So I like where the Clippers are when it comes to the depth. And it's a good thing when Ty Lewis to figure out who's going to play between Kennard, Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, and Pat Bev and try and figure out those minutes. That's a good thing. So the last thing that um, Ty Lue talked about in that press conference before the game 
was that the Clippers are aiming for that three seed. And they are going to obviously see what Denver does. And that will kind of have an impact on their rest. And Denver won earlier today against the Hornets. So that sucks because it would have been nice if the Hornets were able to beat them. And then the Nuggets take the take on the T-Wolves next game. So it doesn't look like the Clippers are going to get a whole lot of help from Denver with Minnesota and Detroit the next two games for Denver and then Portland on Sunday. So when you look at the three seed, you and I had a whole podcast where we talked about the two seed and how important it was for the Clippers. And then they went and they blew it. Uh, just, <laughs> I mean, frankly, they blew it. The Clippers had their chance and they flat out blew it. So now they're going to probably be either the three or the four seed, depending on how the final couple of games shake out. And as of now, they're taking on Dallas, but it could be one of Portland, Dallas, the Lakers that they'll probably face. I understand Ty Lue when he says that the three seeds important. More likely than not, the Lakers will not end up as that six seed. So I think you're going to be okay in that regard. What are your thoughts on the three seed and the importance of getting that? Because if you're the three seed, you most likely take on either Dallas or Portland in the first round. Then you get Phoenix in the second round as opposed to being the four seed and you face one of Portland and Dallas, then getting Utah um, in the second round. By the way, Phoenix, it very well could be the Lakers that the Clippers get in the second round. So what are your thoughts on the three seed versus the four? Um, I, I, I don't think there's a um, I don't think there's a question that um, you definitely want to get the um, the highest seed possible. Um, I, I just think that in general, it's the Clippers haven't been healthy enough to play for an extended period of time where they've been good enough to where we should worry about like, oh, we need to maybe fall back to four. No, I think it's more important that they win games and finish the season strong with wins and playing with some positive mojo going into the playoffs. Um, and then we see where we land. But obviously, with the Lakers falling to um, potentially the seventh seed and being in a play-in makes being the three seed way more um, lucrative. Um, I think there's a, I think it's what a fifty-fifty chance that Portland ends up with the six seed. Um, I think they have the tiebreaker over the Dallas Mavericks, so I think that six seed is still up in the air. But yeah, either of those matchups are like more or are, are fine. Um, I, ooh, I just I just thought about something. Um, if you're the four seed, you probably play like um, Dallas or Portland, and then you may end up playing um, you may end up playing like Phoenix or Utah in round two. So it may be more. Um, it may honestly be better to be the four seed than a five seed. I mean, I mean, four seed than a three seed, excuse me. But right, that's what um, I'm saying. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was saying. Because if, if the Lakers beat Phoenix um, in round two, or rather in round one, then you get the Lakers in round two. Yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, that that obviously doesn't sound too good. But at the same time, I think Phoenix could beat the Lakers. Um, I don't, I don't look at the Lakers as this big, scary gauntlet of a team 
this year. Um, I know there, I think their cachet carries a little bit of weight, but in reality, they're, they're a team that's been incredibly disjointed all year. Um, they have one of the worst offenses in basketball, even with LeBron on the floor this year. And I mean, Anthony Davis is starting to like play really, really well. And that makes like the task of playing LA in any series daunting. But I mean, I think it's more important that we are playing well rather than playing for positioning. Um, I don't think, I don't think we've been over the last like 10, 11 games, especially offensively. I don't think we've played like well enough to start worrying about who we play in the playoffs. It's more important that like Patrick Beverly gets in the starting lineup and Serge Ibaka hopefully returns. And we just need to just play with some mojo, play with some positive momentum going into the playoffs and then see where we land. Because honestly, I'm going to sound incredibly biased, but the best version of this Clipper team can beat anybody in the NBA in a seven game series. And it's more important that we get as close to the best version of ourselves as possible rather than like throwing games for seating. I don't think you're biased at all. I think you're right. And if when the Clippers are healthy, and that's a big if, I think that they can beat any team in the NBA. And you look at seeding, yep. and for sure, I mean, the Clippers, uh, I talked to Harrison. I, I prefer not to face the Lakers, um, especially if they win that first-round matchup against Phoenix. It means that they are clicking. Um, Phoenix, by the way, I think is probably the worst matchup. Um, the, I mean, Phoenix, they don't want to see the Lakers because, frankly, they have nobody to defend the size of the Lakers. Anthony Davis just destroys them. Um, Aiton's fine, but after that, there there really is not much. So the Suns are just not in danger. I mean, they are not looking at the Lakers and saying, yeah, that's the team we want to face. So uh, right. uh, later on, we'll see. I mean, listen, if it's Portland or Dallas, it's Luka or Lillard. They both suck. Um, they're both good teams. They both have their weaknesses. The Clippers already shown they can beat Dallas. Portland's a team that is good, not great. They've got their weaknesses. So whoever you face, you face. And you just got to win what's in front of you. I think that's that's really the key this year. And you, like you said, you want to get a little momentum going into the postseason. And for the Clippers, they only have a couple games left. Um, you look at what they have in front of them. The Hornets are not going to be an easy game on Thursday. Houston should be a simple win on Friday and OKC should be an even easier win on Sunday. Cause God, those guys are awful. Um, so yeah, you, you should win your final three games and get a little momentum going in the postseason. Exactly. Like, like, as you said, even if we wanted to throw games, like, our schedule of these last three games are relatively easy and it's definitely easier than um, Denver. So yeah. I think, I think it's more, I think it's really like, we just need to like settle in with the fact that we'll probably be the three seed. Um, we'll be playing either Dallas or Portland. And I think those matchups are two really good matchups for the, for the Clippers as far as like um, how, how the draw turns out. I'd prefer Portland um, by a lot actually, but um, either, either, the Clippers should let, let's be clear. The Clippers have aspirations to win the NBA title. Yes. They should be able to relatively easily handle Portland, who literally has the worst defensive efficiency mark in NBA history, or the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, Luka is great, but like the Clippers aspire to win the title this year. So fretting over playing Dallas or Portland in round one, um, I'm I don't I I don't I don't care much about and if you have to play the Lakers in round 2 then you have to play the Lakers in round 2 and you got to beat them. Yeah, and, and no matter what happens, you got to look good. And, and the reason 
that you need to look good, and the way you look good is from Manscaped. It really is that simple. They've got the performance package to make you looking good down below the belt. The performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, number one overall seed this season. Including the package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, provides proprietary skin-safe technology, helps reduce nicks, tags, and tugs in those delicate holes, 79% of partners polled admit that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Why not use the best tools for the job? And of course, the amazing bundle includes the Lawnmower 3.0. It's, you always hear me talk about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best trimmer on the market for below the waist. Also, you can use it for your beard. And of course, you've got the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Maximize your ball hygiene and keep you fresh, ready for anything. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HoopBall20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. And free shipping with code HoopBall20 at Manscaped.com. All right, so Justin, we've got a couple games left. Charlotte, Houston, OKC, like you said, you really can't lose against Houston and OKC. Even if you tried, you can't lose those two games with how bad those two teams are. So Charlotte's the only team left. Who is the tiebreaker between Denver and the Clippers? Um, Denver. Okay. So if Denver goes 3-0 and and the Clippers go 2-1, and the Clippers are the four seed. If the Clippers go 3-0, and or if the Clippers go 2-1 and and Denver loses a game, then the Clippers are going to be that three seed. So, man, the next time we talk, dude, it's most likely going to be the playoffs. It's most likely going to be after probably game one. It's crazy. We're here, but the expectations, I feel like, are even higher this year than they were last year because, A, I think the team is better, even though... You may have lost a guy like Montrez Harrell in the in the uh, offseason and it may look name value-wise. I think this team is infinitely better than they were last year. And second of all, this could be Kawhi's last season with the Clippers. I mean, most likely he's going to resign, but you got to show something in the postseason. That's a little scary, dude. It's a, it's a thought that I um, honestly I try to um, I try to not think about because it gets scary when you think about how much they traded away to um, how much they how much draft equity they gave away to get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George here, which definitely is the right decision. Um, thirty all thirty teams, if they were in the position of the Clippers, would have done the same thing. Um, but it's definitely daunting. Um, I don't think he's going anywhere, but it's still daunting to think about. And um, it's crazy to think that the playoffs are here. And, um, you know, as you said, they are a better team this year. Um, they're more equipped to handle the ups and downs and the highs and lows of the postseason. Um, we won't be in Disney World at the wide world of sports for the bubble. So that should help. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I am. I am. We are here. I can't. I can't wait. This. It's. It's time. It's time. And I think we've got better coaching this year. Um, we've got. We've got a better, deeper, more playoff-friendly roster, and it should be good. I can't wait. Justin Wilson at LA Clippers Film on Twitter. My co-host on the Hoopball Clippers podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. At Hoopball Clips is the Twitter handle for the show. We'll be back again, most likely with another podcast, probably next weekend, um, if not before, as the Clippers get ready for the postseason. Justin, big thank you as always, my dude. Thank you for having me on. Um, you know, it's always it's always a pleasure chopping it up with you. And uh, it's playoff time, baby. I can't wait. He's Justin. I'm Brandon. Until next time. 
Go Clips! This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.